having some. There we go. We begin a sermon series today on expectation. And we're starting in the Old Testament when and what expectations were there long before even the later announcement in the Gospels of the coming of and the birth announcement of Jesus Christ. So we start today with Isaiah. And he's speaking to the people and he offers them God's word. Tells them what he believes God is saying and this is what he writes. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. Advent is a word that means coming, O Lord, means it's about your coming, it's about your arrival, our preparation for that again and again each year. Help us this year to open up our minds and hearts to the way in which you come to us today way in which you fill us with your Holy Spirit today, the way in which you call us out into the world today. Give us great expectation, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Have you ever had one of those moments in your life when you really, really, really want God to something. No, you, you want God to do something. Do something, you say. Can't you do something? That kind of place in your life when whatever it is, the situation you're in, you just seem like, you feel like you have no voice in it, no power over it, and it's too much for you. You don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. You may have tried everything, and you simply want God to do something. You turn to the last place you know to turn. There is nowhere else to go. And do something, you say. You ever had a moment like that? I certainly have. I think we've all had those times when we feel powerless, and we we turn to the heavens and we say, can't you do something? Where are you? Where have you gone? I think those times most often come up when we feel the most helpless. Perhaps when we've exhausted every other thing we, can know, we know to do ourselves and 
come back to the place that we feel like nothing we do can has any effect, where we just completely feel absolutely helpless and powerless. It's in those times that this stuff, you know, that we get in that posture the easiest, right? And we often think of them as times of doubt. We refer to them that way. I was in a weak moment. I was doubting if God was there at all. You know, we think of it as a, as a weak moment, which I find kind of funny. Not that it's wrong, but the more I've, as time has gone on, the more often I've come to realize and think that it's precisely in those moments where we don't know what to do, we don't know how to be, and don't know where to go, that faith has the greatest chance of showing up in those moments when we're most likely to reach out beyond ourselves and seek help from beyond ourselves. It's in those moments that that, that happens, I think. And I mean, if we, if we knew what to do, or if we felt like we had any influence at all and, and kind of had an idea of what we should do, then we'd be doing that. And we wouldn't really find the need to seek God out at all. So I think it really is in those times where we're completely helpless, completely feel like we're voiceless, that faith has the best chance of showing up. It's in those times that we actually begin to have expectations of who God is and what God might do something, he said. This is the first Sunday in Advent. What do you expect from God this year? How do you hope Christ might show up in your life and in your heart this year? What expectations do you bring? The Jewish people had been living in the kind of situation I just described for a really, really long time. Years, in fact. Years. And what we read was Isaiah's, one of Isaiah's responses to them. As he quotes what he believes God wants them to know, needs them to know. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God, Isaiah tells them. It's a we, we, we hear those words, and I don't know about you, but I tend to think of like big concerts, like Handel's Messiah or something, with big choirs and orchestras and in a big concert hall, and we're being enchanted by the evening, comfort, comfort you, my people, and we're kind of wrapped, and wrapped, wrapped up in the evening of that and the romanticism of that and all of the, the feel of that. We, we may overdo it, in fact, by that kind of thinking that we kind of go to. Handel's kind of done that to us. He's put it out in the public sphere in that way. And we hear the words, at least I do, I hear those words, comfort, comfort. And I sit back and relax a little bit and I say, yeah, man, that's what I need. Just need a word of comfort today. Need to know that <clears throat> God's going to be there. 
how I hear them when I read those words anyway. And fortunately enough, I think that's how Isaiah wants us to hear them. I think we can't over-romanticize these words if we try. Bring it on, I say. I think that's what Isaiah wants us to do with these words. He wants us to hear them that way. When we read, comfort, comfort you, my people, God, Isaiah wants us to re be reminded of a God who will not let us go. After all, he was speaking to a Jewish people who'd been dealing with it for so long. Years, years of it, years of it. Longer than they ever expected. Babylon had ruined them. They had conquered them. They'd moved in and scattered the people. They destroyed literally everything they had built that spoke of their identity. The church, gone. The city, gone. Left in ruins. They'd scattered the group of the Israelite people all across the region so that they couldn't get together and pose a threat. All of this had happened, and for years they'd been living that way. Too long they'd been living that way. So long, in fact, that they didn't know of any other way. They were scattered and frantic. and They were lost. Do something. Can't you do something? Where'd you go? Right about that time in walks Isaiah with these now infamous words, comfort, comfort you, my people. A voice cries out in the wilderness, the, the mountains will be brought low, the valleys will be lifted up, the rough places will be smoothed out. More than any other Old Testament prophet, Isaiah wanted to make sure that the Jewish people knew and became convinced that their expectations were not misplaced. He wanted them to know that God had not abandoned them. And guess what? He wants you to know that too. He wants you to know that. I don't know where you are in your life. Whenever you find yourself in a, in a season of your life when you don't know what else to do, you've tried everything, it feels like the world is just against you, and you say to yourself, if one more thing happens to me this week, I don't think I can take it. You ever said that? I've said it. You ever find yourself in that place and need to be reminded of a God who comforts, a God who consoles, a God who comes to us like a voice crying out in the wilderness. Do me a favor and pick up Isaiah 40 and put it in your pocket. Let these words seep down into the belly of your soul and have their way with you. Be reminded of a God who does not Abandon us. Let those be your expectations. Hear the announcement of Isaiah. The thing is, though, there's a catch. There's a catch to it. The catch is that we can't just sit back and 
expect God to do something without realizing that we are going to be expected to do something as well. We can't just lean back in the movie theater and watch the show and eat popcorn as God takes care of it all without knowing that there will be expectations of us. The thing about this phrase from Isaiah, comfort, comfort you my people, this announcement, it's only the beginning. In fact, Isaiah keeps going on and on for many chapters after the few verses we just read today. This announcement that comes out of helping meet the expectation of the people eventually turns around and begins to expect things from the people. The things that they began expecting of God ultimately turned around and as God began to expect things from in this from them this word that Isaiah passes along to the Jewish people ultimately and finally becomes a word that is flesh and bone and expects things of all of us eventually we get Jesus Christ who models for us a faith that goes both ways it's what relationship is all about Eventually, we begin to see in Jesus Christ what God expects from us. Spirituality is funny that way. And it reminds me of a time in my life that I'm, I'll never forget. Years ago, I've shared this part of my, my story as I call it with you. Years ago, I'll never forget it, it was the time in my life when I finally uh, quit drinking. I finally came to terms with the fact that I had a problem, or the problem had me. And I sobered up for the first time. And I will tell you, I will never forget those first few days after that. I was an absolute mess, just a mess. Just a, a big ball of mess. <laughs> I mean, I, I, emotions that had been bridled by my, my alcoholism, right? Emotions, I mean, I had emotions all over the place. I would get mad at the dumbest thing and sad at the silliest things. And then I'd be all giddy and happy about something stupid. And, and I didn't know whether to to stand up and run 10 miles or sit down and take a nap for the whole day. I mean, I was just all over the place, and I felt that way, and it would come in, in spurts, you know. I'd be okay. I'd be all right. Just get, and all of a sudden, I'd just get the, ooh, this kind of just, I just, I couldn't, I was shaky. I was just, you know, all that stuff was just part of those first few days. What I started doing was I would, when I'd get that way, I would take a drive. Now, that's not good advice. <laughs> and I'll, I'll just say, don't go home and say, well, Andy says when I get emotional, get in the car, drive. It's not good. But that's what I did. That's what I did. And I would, as I reflect back on it, I, would, I was driving out my emotions. That's the only way I can talk about it, right? I'd just drive. I mean, I didn't know where I was going. I just went. And sometimes I'd be gone for a little while and come back. And sometimes I'd be gone for hours because I wouldn't come back unless I was more settled. <clears throat> and oftentimes I'd end out in the country at night. And I would, I did this a lot. I, I'd stop the car 
in the middle of nowhere, you know, next to, you know, Uncle Bob's field. I mean, just in the random place. And I'd turn it off, I'd get out, and, and I'd look up. Will you do something? Could you do something? Where are you? I did that a lot. I, I felt powerless, see? Helpless, like I had no voice, like nothing I could do would ever change the situation I was in. It was just, I was lost. I was lost. I felt like I was in a spiritual exile. And, and I'd look to the sky, you know, I had nowhere else to look. I'd look up and say, can you do something? You know what? And you know what? I had an expectation there. I had a, a, an expect, my expectation was this. Can you give me at least some energy to make it through the day for crying out loud? I mean, that's, an, and I would say for crying out loud to God, I would add that phrase because it's an important point, you know, and can you just give me energy for the day? And I did that for months. For months, that was my conversation. And the funny thing happened. Eventually, I started to realize that the very thing I was expecting God to do, God had already done. The energy that I was needing was what I was spending doing all this running around. All this energy I was spending running around, trying to figure out all this driving around I was doing and was the same energy God had given me to make it through the day. In other words, the very thing I expected from God eventually turned around and became the very thing God expected from me. All I needed courage to do it. I was afraid to take on the day. I was afraid of the day. I didn't know how to be in a day without doing what I was doing before. Of course that makes sense. And yet God had given me the energy to do it. God had already equipped me with the ability to do the very thing I was asking for. The thing I expected from God turned around and became the thing God expected from me. So I went home, ate something, sleep, woke up, and found that I had enough energy to make it through. What are you expecting from God this year? How are you hoping that Christ might show up in your life and in your heart? Whenever you find yourself in that place in your life where you feel you have no voice, no say, no influence, and you've reached your wits end, wits end, you've exhausted all possibilities, and you've gone everywhere, and you've spent all that energy trying to do all that stuff, and you finally come to the place God wanted you in the first place and said, what are you going to do? May Isaiah's words relax you some, bring you comfort. Remind you that God absolutely will not let you go. But may they, may they also remind you that expectation goes both ways. That the very thing you expect from God might turn around and become the exact thing God expects from you. This Advent, may we all rediscover 
the great expectation we've been given in Jesus Christ. And may we find the courage.